Welcome into another episode of Cap and Trade. I am your host, Texans Cap. You can follow me on Twitter at Texans Cap. If you prefer the written format, you can follow along at capandtrade.substack.com. Thanks, everybody, for joining in tonight. Our esteemed guest is on the phone <laughs> with, with uh, somebody, somebody he needs to talk to. So he'll hop on here in a few minutes, Mr. Aaron Wilson of KPRC Channel 2. So We'll get things going until Aaron gets off the phone call and can hop over to us. But, you know, basically tonight, what I wanted to cover, you know, the combine finished up, closed out, uh, just a jam-packed probably last five days, especially on Twitter and social media of what all we saw. And, you know, it's just kind of some of the stuff I wanted to cover tonight. You know, talk about the Jalen Carter slide and, you know, how far he's going to slide. Uh, does Houston stay at number two? What does Chicago do at number one? You know, the overall theme from the from the combine, you know, is the quarterbacks, wide receivers kind of had a little little rough day, but you know, edge players, there's some um, you know, the edges had a really big day or big week. Uh quarterbacks were really interesting as well. Running backs did really well. And then, you know, until we got franchise tags coming up and the next 48 hours, those are due by 3 p.m. on Tuesday. And any free agent targets that Houston may be targeting or things like that. So, um, but with that, you know, if you've got any questions, comments, throw them up on the board. We'll try to get to everything we can. Hey, Chris, good to see you. Thanks for joining in. Um, Beige, always good to see you, man. Yeah, so like I said, Aaron, Aaron's on the – the phone right now so we'll get to him he'll hop on here in a few minutes since he gets off the phone never know with him and he's so he stays so busy that phone stays glued to his ear i swear sometimes um i sit right next to him in the press box so i see how busy he stays um yeah so yeah and joe yeah good to see you bud tight ends look very good in this draft man they showed out the this week as well and uh you know we'll get to all that john good to see you as always no you're always here but uh yeah, I mean, the first thing, the Jalen Carter news, really, you know, and I kind of spoke a little bit about it on um, last week, last Wednesday. You know, we had the the big news come out with him and the and the misdemeanor crimes, and, you know, he got, you know, turned himself in, made bond, <laughs> flew back out to Indianapolis and conducted his interviews and things like that. So it would be a lot for the teams to dig into and to determine, you know, where he fits on their board where he, you know, what the perception is if a team were to draft him, things like that. And it really just kind of shakes things up at the top of the board. And, you know, I, I would have been perfectly convinced that Chicago could could take Jalen Carter number one overall and and be perfectly fine with that move. But it seems like the sense coming out of the combine now is that Chicago will trade out at number one spot. And you know, they're probably going to get a good haul. I just don't think it's a, a kind of package and kind of package that they're going to get. I don't think it's one that Houston needs to be keep, needs to be competing for. I think they're pretty, you know, who they end up taking at number two, you know, hopefully it's a quarterback, maybe it'd be Bryce young, maybe it'd be somebody else, but there's just no sense in them making the move up to one, unless they're just for sure confident that Bryce Young is the guy or whoever it is, whichever quarterback it is. I'm not saying who, who it is. That's just my preference, Bryce Young. I've made that pretty clear on this channel. But um, there's no sense for them to move up because if Indy moves up, something like that, it's going to be a swap in the first this year, their second rounder, and a 2024 first. That's a lot to swallow for Houston just to move up one spot to avoid getting leapfrogged. And so, like I said, with this Jalen Carter news, I think – Arizona really slides into the driver's seat per se. You know, I think maybe Chicago can trade out of it and, and get a big move up from Carolina or Atlanta or, or Las Vegas. One of those teams also looking for a quarterback, but 
I, I just, I, I still have trouble seeing it. I, I just don't see it for Chicago. I, I feel like if Indianapolis is not in Carolina and my, my opinion based on things I've seen and things I've heard and think people I talk to, it feels like Indianapolis and Carolina are both heavy in on Stroud. I'm not buying the Will Levis thing. I feel like those two teams are really going to be targeting CJ Stroud. There's no reason for any of those two, neither of those teams to jump up to number one to go for Stroud. I think they can get him at number three. And that's why I say Arizona is in the driver's seat. I think Arizona is going to be able to cultivate a bidding war. They have a new GM there, Monty Oceanfort. You know, it came from New England, uh, went through uh, Tennessee, has a, you know, a very extensive background coming up through those systems and making those kind of trades. So I feel like he could easily move back with one of those teams and get a pretty good haul and get, and, you know, and then one of those two, you know, Indianapolis and Carolina theoretically in this kind of exercise would be, would be, uh, you know, having a bidding war. And that's why I, th- I just, I have trouble buying the Chicago thing, trading out of one. I just have trouble buying it. And we'll, we'll talk to, we'll talk to Brad Spielberger on Wednesday. He's, he's pretty clued into the uh, Chicago Bears, So we'll kind of get his read on the situation as well. So I think at the end of the day, it just, it's just, you stay, you stay at uh you stay at two. It's pretty simple. So, but uh, like I said, if you're just hopping in, uh, our guest is running a little behind. So as soon as he gets off the phone, he'll, he'll join us. Uh, if you've got any questions, comments, concerns, you know, throw them up on the board. We'll get to it. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the channel. It helps us out, helps the channel get visibility, helps the channel get more views and grow and allows me to do cooler and better things for everybody. Uh, hit that like button as well. That, that all helps out. TJ, good to see you. And he says all in for AR 15, man, has he been, man, whew. Talk about Texas Twitter having fun. Anthony Richardson is just all over the all over Texans Twitter. And, you know, showing out like he did athletically at this draft. And th- I mean, at this combine just really solidifies him as a, a very intriguing prospect. Would I be upset that Houston took him instead of Bryce Young? Yeah, a little bit. But I mean, who am I to say that he's not? Not any worse or any better. So, but uh, looks like we've got Mr. Aaron about to hop on here. So, if you got any questions, make sure you throw them over the board. We'll get to as everything we can. And uh, let's get Mr. Aaron in here. Let me get this. Aaron. Troy, sorry I was late. I hey, was wrapping a call with a source and uh, give a little bit of advice too. But it's good to talk to you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, no, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. It's good to good to always chat with you. So you just you got back from Indy the other night, and uh, you know a lot a lot of a lot of things happened at Indy this past week. But what was kind of the overall theme you think coming out of Indy from your perspective and the folks you talked to out there? Well, for the Texans, obviously the quarterback search is first and foremost, and that's what the hot button issue is. There's a different set of things in terms of your own free agents and conversations, hypotheticals, I should put it, uh, with, you know, agents that may have other, you know, free agents, that sort of thing that, that all the teams do. When you think about the Texans and their meetings, they were all very predictable. So they met with all the top quarterbacks. So you meet with the Bryce Young, you meet with CJ Stroud, you meet with Will Levis, you meet with Anthony Richardson, who obviously aced the combine and you know is an outstanding athlete. And he's like Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson put together. Mm-hmm. He's just uh, incredible. But does that mean incredible quarterback that that's what they have to figure out. So they were focused on that. They look at some wide receivers, look at some pass rushers, look at D linemen, offensive linemen. So all the meetings are really logical and it's, it's essentially an evaluation period. They didn't bring their coaches except for D'Amico Ryan's and uh, you know, they had a few other staff members there, but primarily it's for Nick Casario and his personnel department. And Nick was there, I think until 
uh, Friday night or uh, I think it was when he went back. So you have, you know, a short window of time and some of it is spent talking with reporters and doing the media thing. And that that's part of it too, is just kind of the front facing part of the combine, which is a media and television event now. Uh, but for guys like Nick Serio, primarily it's about the medical, it's about the, the meetings and what he can learn and, you know, he's been working on this all year. So this is just a continuation uh, for reporters or for, you know, others. It's more of like, oh, wow, this is like first big exposure to all of this college football information and ranking these guys and deciding, well, does this 40 time mean this? Um, what is a Jalen Carter? How does that impact the draft? His legal situation, all those things. And it's like putting together a jigsaw puzzle. And then by April, you have some of the information you need. If you're, you know, even a plugged in reporter and if you're a team, you feel like you know it and you are got some kind of comfort level. But it's really about learning enough and then having systems, trusting your instincts, trusting your board and then making good decisions. And, you know, you're impacted by everyone else's decisions, good or bad. I think it's interesting. It's a fascinating time because it's the roster building time for the offseason. Yeah. And you, you mentioned Jalen Carter. and we were I was kind of touching on that before you hopped on. What is your sense of his draft stock now? I mean, is it a big slide or is it a little slide? I mean, I know it's early and teams are going to have to do a little more background work now based on what came, what news came out. And, you know, I just, I know it's probably going to vary from team to team. Some teams may could easily just take him off their board completely. And some may still value him as a top, you know, high first round pick. Is there any sense of what you kind of came away with on Jalen Carter and his status? Well, Troy, it really comes down to how badly do you need a defensive tackle. And most people really need players like that. And then what's your comfort level? Here's what I believe and what others believe. He's not going to jail. He is facing these misdemeanors. He's going to, if he settles, I'll be looking at some kind of probation or community service. It's not good. Obviously, it's a very negative public relations situation. And his image and, you know, being involved in, reckless driving allegedly and racing allegedly and factually being there, you know, for uh, the scene of this tragic accident that cost a staffer from the Georgia football program and a teammate's life. So most importantly, it's this human element and, you know, we're not, and you're not, and I'm not, we're not ignoring that at all. That that's a fact, but the other fact is that what's the fallout from this. So there's two things fallout legally and I don't think that he's going to, you know, have any unavailability. I think he'll be available to play. And that's good for the teams that want him. If there's a lot more derogatory information, there's already been, yeah, I've heard a few things about maybe attitude. They weren't like enough to be a major red flag, but it did sound like, you know, he's a bit mouthy and says some things, uh, to opponents and sometimes to teammates that aren't so great. Then there was an obvious PR push like, Hey, what about him paying for this walk ons food out of his own pocket? That's great, but that doesn't mitigate everything else because he did that. And you saw that probably on Twitter that there was some saying, Oh, Todd McShay is a hater. Well, guess what? Todd McShay obviously had some inside information for him to be as strong as he was. So I think, you know, maybe people should think a little more about saying, hey, Todd McShay was dead on. And I don't, I don't think he was being a hater. I think he's just, you know, he's trust the information yeah. that he's giving. He's doing reporting. And a draft analyst is allowed to report. They don't have to only be opinion like on who's the best three technique. He can have an opinion based on his information because he's talking to people. How else do those draft analysts have any information? They have to talk to people. It's similar to what we do with reporting, except – we're going to probably report stuff and say sources say this guy's fallen on a board or there's some off field concerns. And generally what I tend to do when I hear a lot of this stuff, unless there's a lot of documentable offenses, then I tend to keep it to myself. And I just know it in the back of my mind because you never want to be viewed as like, Oh, well you, you're going off of a lot of secondhand information and you're hurting someone's stock and their reputation. So, you know, you have to think about all those things and is it really worth it? But, yeah, I think that he was, you know, dead on, obviously. This is a serious allegation. 
And of course, he's innocent until proven guilty. But I thought it was smart that Drew Rosenhaus had him return to the combine to face the music. Yep. And like it wasn't like he'd been kicked out of the combine because he's in jail. He bonded out and he went back to the combine to finish his responsibilities as far as interviews and medical. And I thought that was smart for them to bring him back in terms of the look of hiding know, out. They yeah. were not hiding. Yes. Yeah. So that, I think that's important. But does this mean? If he's not going first and he's not going second, is he going third? Is he still going in the top ten? I think he's going somewhere in the top ten still. As long as, you know, this case doesn't go completely sideways. I mean, who knows what else might come out? I think that's the unpredictable part. And I, I don't pretend to know or be close to anything about his legal. I, I know what I've read in the, you know, just the statements that are released by the police and the warrant. And so I don't think there's been any other real deep dive into it other than, you know, the local media there kind of knew it was coming down that there was going to, in Georgia that they're about to charge him. And they did. Timing of that was, that was a big conversation at the combine. Like, why is it being done while he's at the combine? Wasn't this investigation probably ready to go? Could they have done it before he went there? Uh, you know, it's almost like it's, this is it's always fantastic timing with those kind of things. <laughs> Makes me- uh, I mean, there's never a good time to be charged with misdemeanor. Right. No, but I'm saying it's there. like right on the eve of the combine. It's just, it, I don't know if it's coincidence. A lot of people or- thought like, oh, they're trying to ruin his stock or they're looking for, I think it's more that they're looking for maximum attention. Like that we're tough on, yeah. you know, crime that we, uh, we, you know, we take this seriously and we're going to, you know, file this case and, He's going to be held accountable. I think that it's no more complicated than that. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I kind of, I kind of pegged it as similar to like the Laramie Tunsil slide, you know, you slide back four or five spots and somebody will end up getting him and he'll. I don't think it's ruinous to his draft, you know, situation. I think that like Tunsil years later, we'll be talking about him as a top yeah. lineman. I think that's what yeah. will happen. All right, so there's a question on here about so Aaron, what is the percentage of the Texans trading for the number one pick? They're trying to sell the pick, the Bears. And I even heard a rumor today that there's a team that they're talking with that where it could be done even before free agency. And yeah. because it involves a player. So, you know, I didn't hear which player or which team, but uh, polls told someone who told me. So it's again like secondhand, but it's an interesting tidbit that came to me this afternoon that polls is having those kind of conversations. Polls being the Ryan polls, the general manager of the Bears. Yep. Yep. So yeah, they're definitely willing to sell the pick. And here's the thing about this draft: you'd rather have more picks. It's a deep draft. Mm-hmm. It lacks star quality, and all the quarterbacks. So I'm sure we'll get into that. There's something wrong with all the quarterbacks. There's something that you would wish they were much better at. There's no Peyton Manning. I would go so far as to say you should not trade up for the first pick. Yeah. That the Bears should have to stay in that spot. And I don't think there's a player worthy of it. I wouldn't do it if I'm the Texans unless it's a minimal price. Uh, one person I talked with today said they think that the Bears would ask the Texans for the 12th pick, the second pick, and something additional. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that i think that that's probably what they would ask for and you can haggle but i mean i'll give you an example let's let's do this scenario that pick you do that let's say it's a two a 12 and a four or two 12 and a three or next year or something next year's two perhaps and you lose the 12th pick and that gets you Bryce young this undersized quarterback that maybe you could have drafted two yeah. Or you could draft Stroud instead, who's a more of a prototypical quarterback, but not as dynamic. Are you happy? If you're a Texans fans. No, or, I'm not. You're a <laughs> I, I don't think it's a good idea, but no. you know, if I'm Nick, I'm looking more to move back mm-hmm. or I just make a decision that I'm not Bryce Young or Bust. Uh, yeah, we'll I mean I think it's perfectly conceivable that if you know, Chicago does try out of that pick and say Houston did want Bryce Young and somebody leapfrogs them and takes Bryce Young, then you just you fall back on Will Anderson or something like that. I mean, that's still a fantastic draft pick at, at number two overall. And you just kind of figure it out from there. But 
to to offer up that to have to give up that much to make that that one slot move. Like you said, there's just there's nobody in this draft that there's no way they're just doing it like, hey, we yeah. no, even though no one else is making us an offer, give us a two and we'll give you the pick. I mean, like we have to be sure. Maybe that happens when they're on the clock and there's they're able to squeeze something out of it. Yeah. Like I just I'm just like, not buying it. I may I I'm probably gonna be completely wrong, but I just I feel like Chicago's not gonna be able to trade out of it. <laughs> It's way early. Um, I think it is. people are interested. The th- thing is now, I, I heard a little bit today that, that Stroud is who the Colts prefer, at least who their general manager prefers, uh, and Steichen, that Bryce is more the Texans guy and – you know, that Stroud and then it's hard to find like where Richardson and Levis going and Levis might not even go in the top 10. Like it's possible. Yeah, Levis has to go a little longer. I, I heard Carolina and Indy both in on Stroud. Yep. And so Carolina may have to leap, leap Indy up and go up to number three. So it costs them so much. It's going to cost them a ton. And, you know, we're talking about trades. So, you know, one player that comes to mind, we think about moving. I don't know who they'd be moving for. But DeAndre Hopkins, is he part of a deal? Because the Cardinals, you know, they're thinking about trying to trade him. So is he part of anything that they're doing, a maneuver? Would they want to go up with him? Would they get better terms? Would the Bears like to have a Hopkins paired with the Justin Fields? That was another thing that was just a really big takeaway, is that the Bears are, are okay with Fields. They want to just keep going with him. Yep. And I've heard that from – several sources around the league that are familiar with the Bears way of thinking and have had direct conversations with them. Yeah. No, I, that's pretty much my read on the situation on the outside looking in and, and it's, uh, you know, we'll just have to wait and see, but it is interesting because I, th- you know, like a lot of the rumors now that they're going to get the, the, the trade done sooner rather than later, if they do trade out at number one. And that's a, you know, the thought process behind that, which I kind of agree with it kind of lets you, get you set for free agency when you already know your picks. And, and it also, if, if Carol, if Chicago were to come out with like extra two extra third round or whatever, you know, maybe because they need to do some pretty heavy spending. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, but, Troy, they can, but they can, they can use some of those additional draft picks to trade for veterans right. or something like that is why I say sure. it's good to get that, that draft capital yes. early. Yeah. Oh, it'd be great to do ideal, but the way this thing works is, no one wants to have a serious conversation with you until you're really like in the final days before the draft and you know, deadlines for action, all that kind of thing. What I think is the most likely scenario. Yeah. They're talking that day. Like the trade happens, you know, in the hours before the, you know, the show starts and that's what the league would want too, by the way. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah they would love to have the, a trade or something go down. Like, trade that two hours, the clock, but, you know, two hours yeah. beforehand or yeah. Like, and, right and, uh, and so let's say it's the Texans. Does that mean it's Bryce Young and, you know, what are they going to do and all those sorts of things. And it'll be like this closely guarded secret. It, it'll be an interesting situation, Yeah, but you know, it's just a lot of it is very much a moving target. Yeah. Starting to get a few questions about Brandon cooks. And, uh, you know, if you think he's going to make it back or if you think a trade's going to going to happen one way or another at some point in the next couple of weeks, what, have you got any new information on that front? Right. There are multiple teams interested in him. And I've heard, you know, a little bit about the Broncos. I've heard a little bit about you know, L.A. being a possibility, uh, likely L.A. Rams more than L.A. Chargers. I've heard, you know, the Patriots have had some interest in Brandon, one of his old teams. Uh, Broncos, obviously, connection because of Sean Payton. Nothing concrete or moving just yet. And he reiterated his desire to be traded when he talked with the Texans. So, you know, he hasn't changed his mind on wanting a trade. There's still a rebuild. And he was very clear on what he wanted. He wanted to play for a contender. They're not a contender. That hasn't changed just because you have a – head coach with a lot of you know upside and a lot of popularity and you know excitement surrounding him as a charismatic leader uh, he is all of those things and there is hope in Houston primarily because of D'Amico Brian's presence here but that doesn't move him necessarily because he's at the end toward the end of his career and he's continued to trade and 
get ready for whoever he's going to play for. It, the trade doesn't make much sense because you're not going to get a lot back. So yeah. I understand the Texans' perspective of what D'Amico put out there was, you know, we'd like to work with him. Well, of course you'd like to work with him because he's a good wide receiver and, you know, you're going to want to have him to pay most of his salary for him to leave. So, no, it doesn't make sense for him, you know, for the Texans. But like Mike Tomlin likes to say, and I think it's a great line, I don't know if he was the first one to come up with this, you want volunteers, not hostages. You know, you don't want, you know, him being forced to play. But, you know, the vibe I was getting from some of the comments were, we're going to play hardball. You know, we're not going to make it that simple. They, I think it's a respectful, amicable process. But at the same time, the Texans have to do, as D'Amico said, what's in their best interest. What's in their best interest will be to talk him into playing for them if you can't get a good trade going. I don't yeah, know if you can get the trade going. I think it's going to be a bad trade where they're just dumping him and you're buying a pick, just like yeah. Osweiler. You know, you're just getting out of this. And I don't even know if you're buying a third-round pick at this point. Maybe you're buying a fourth-round pick and you're paying $12 million of the 18. Yeah. Maybe it gets better. If you pay the whole thing, can you buy a second-rounder? Probably, but I don't think most people want to give you a second-rounder. Dallas was talking about a second-rounder last year, but no. You're not hearing about Dallas a lot right now in these trade discussions. So uh, my sense is that it's not real hot right now. It doesn't have to happen before free agency. There's no artif- there's no real artificial or actual deadline on this thing. Yeah, I mean, they're not hurting for cap space and the, and the fact that they would need to trade him sooner rather than later to get that additional Helps that there's a bad wide receiver class. The fact that Jacoby Myers may get – Big money is yeah. amazing to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I know everyone was like so much in uproar about Christian Kirk. That wound up actually not being a bad move, Troy. Yeah. Or Jacksonville. Was, yeah, yeah, he did well. Uh, I think that them. their evaluation of him was was a good one. Yeah. No, I agree. And it, you know, it's, it, it just depends, like you said, as how much money they're going to take on. You know, my kind of thoughts were like the same with you. Like if you, eat six or eight million of it maybe maybe it becomes a fourth rounder instead of a fifth rounder or something like that you know but you know whatever i just kind of feel like it's just going to happen at some point it's just when if it's more closer to the draft or early on in free agency but like you said it doesn't have to happen it's not something that's that's needed to be done from a cap perspective they can kind of sit on it and work their way towards the draft so but uh, yeah, so I appreciate everybody listening tonight. If you're if you're just joining in, Aaron Wilson of KPRC Channel Two is joining us. I am your host, Texans Cap. If you haven't already subscribed to the channel, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button. All right, so talked about Brandon Cook. So Laramie Tunsil potential extension. I know it's been a little bit hadn't been a little quiet on that front. I don't know what kind of timeline the team and and Tunsil could be looking at. You know, there's. there's to some cap savings to be had on an extension with him, considering his inflated salary cap number this year after the back-to-back restructures, pushing it up to $35 million this year. So they need to find a way to bring that number back down, and extension seems like the most possible, the most likely path. Do you have a sense on you know if that's still a possibility and what kind of timeline the two sides might be looking at? Yes, still a possibility. Both sides have interest. I think Laramie has more interest than they do. They're not – Super into the idea of, other than the cap reason, and that Laramie's a Pro Bowl tackle, of handing out a ton of extensions and raises for players after three thirteen and one season, optics not being so good, but you know he's one of the only exceptions. Like for example, could Malik Collins be a little underpaid? Yes. Steven Nelson, yes. Titus Howard wants a new deal, but I think he'll play into the fifth year. They'll have a few conversations maybe after the draft, but I don't anticipate a Titus Howard extension this offseason. And in my opinion, Laramie is the most likely. And there's a way to do the Laramie deal that can lower the cap, as you said, and get his APY up, which is what he wants. And some of that's a respect factor for Laramie. And with Laramie, you know, they have a, I would say, a good track record of negotiations with him and his advisors, Saint. Omni and La Lusani and Laramie is his own agent and he relies on their advice to do the extensions that one being, you know, mostly restructures, but the 
the first you know big deal that 22 million a year APY the three for 66 that he did when he had been here for about a year. I think, you know, with Laramie, you've got to have some prestige players on this roster. You've got to have some guys. He's, other than, you know, Damian Pierce, it's like neck and neck. Who are the best players? I would say, like, it's Laramie, then it's Damian on this roster. You've got to take care of somebody. And he had a great season. I don't see why you don't pay him. He's in his prime, and I don't think you're getting more than a first-round pick and a trade for him. And he doesn't want to be traded. He wants to be here. He's committed to helping them through the build. He likes living here. Some things that a lot of people don't really think about that much. They think, well, don't players always want to play for the best team? Or, you know, what about this city or that city? Uh, he actually likes living here, likes his lifestyle. You know, his brother, Alex, is a trainer and a yoga instructor and has built a, a life for himself here. So a lot of it's, you know, it's your, you know, inner circle, the folks that are around him and, Laramie is a homeowner here. He likes being in this area, enjoys the restaurants, enjoys the scene, likes a lot of things that are happening, is happy being in that locker room, has a lot of friendships. These are factors for guys. So like anywhere, if you were picking a place to work, Troy, like, well, do I want to live in Houston or do I want to live in you know, Denver? Do I want to live in Los Angeles? Where do I want to live? What's the work situation like? And so the fact that Laramie's happy and on board – that's great. That's what you want. It's just a matter of, can you make it financially feasible? And I think they can, but I don't sense any rush. They have not begun negotiations and maybe they'll start laying the groundwork for that soon. I think that was sort of the hope, but there is nothing imminent or developing right now. And uh, you know, if that changes, then we'll, we'll do some reporting on it. But yeah, I, I mean, I check on these things pretty frequently and I have not heard of talks. Yeah, and he's gonna if they end up doing the extension, he's gonna he's gonna reset the market. He'll be the number one paid left tackle. They're not gonna there'd be no point not to. And even yeah. if that's if that's twenty five or fifty grand more or whatever, hundred grand more, whatever it might be, if he's a, or he's a million above a Trent Williams, he's younger than Trent. Yep. Uh, you know, but and they're totally different style of players. Like Trent's more of a power player. Laramie is more of a you know, athleticism kind of guy, and he has power too, but like Trent is like one of the more big drive blockers to play the left tackle position probably in the last couple of decades. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. We'll, uh, yeah, like you said, we'll kind of keep an eye on it, you know, and if, if, you know, for those who are watching the show, if you go, go back to the channel, I did a, a contract building session on, on Laramie Tunsil about three, about three weeks ago. If you want to go watch that and see what kind of, so what kind of potential contract that uh, Tunsil would command. So sticking with kind of with the Texans, you know, I think probably for their own pending free agents, I guess like the the players that I really would like to see the team try to resign would be Tavier Thomas and uh, Agba Okoronkwo. I'm still not sure on Okoronkwo if he's going to fit what D'Amico wants out of a defensive end. I, you know, looking back at San Francisco's roster, everybody was 260 and up, you know, pretty big guys on the defensive end. And Okoronkwo was a little bit lighter at 245. So be curious, and I'm, it, his market, I just can't really get a feel for his market. I've talked to a few people, and some people it's saying it's going to be low, and there's some people that saying okay, you could get as much as $10 million a year, and then some people are saying it's going to be only 4 or $5 million a year. So those are probably my top two players that I would like to see resigned. You know, other players like Owens or Chris Moore, those are you know maybe good, strong depth guys, but I think those two are yeah. the top two players of my mind. I'll give you a few updates. I, yeah. I don't have it definitively what will what they will do, but I'm getting some tea leaves on this. Uh, okay. With Oboe, yes, there's mutual interest on Oboe potentially coming back to the Texans. And it doesn't mean that there will be a deal done. He'll have a market. It will not be a $10 million market. And that's a lot of that's because of his size and because he, he only really was having production there once he got to play a lot. So he's a bit of a projection and I would say it'll be between 4 million and 6 million. And I've heard that for other defensive linemen, they're in the same category, five to six, even guys that had great seasons like Charles Omenahu, but Charles, even though he hasn't been charged and not expect to be charged is did have an arrest for a domestic situation. Mm-hmm. And he's a much different style of player. And I've even heard about the Texans being something that, you know, that's not completely ruled out as a, a return. Uh, I've heard of multiple teams being interested, the Raiders and 
the 49ers. So I think he'll have a market. There are, I did say there's some pass rushers, but there's like Samson Ekubon. A lot of these guys I think are going to want to have to sign short-term deals. Uh, I think that Draymond Jones will be like the biggest contract and he's more inside. But, yep. you know, you look at some of these deals that will happen. Puna Ford will do well in free agency. Someone that I've heard, you know, potentially could be of interest to the Texans. So they do need a D tackle. It makes some sense for them. He's logical. Mm-hmm. Don't know if they'll actually move on him or not, but he'll have options. Including Seattle, he's a good football player. There's a lot of good football players. And, you know, there's some guys like Ashawn Robinson, Greg Gaines are out there. No, Oboe doesn't classically fit what they want, but his the film doesn't lie. And I believe the personnel department are big believers in him. And, you know, he outplayed his contract last year. So if he's coming back and it's at a raise, you know, from the three and a half and he's getting to like five or an upside to six, and that's workable. You know, what if it's like a three for 18 type of situation or two for 12 and you guarantee about half of it? Maybe you can get it done. And, you know, because he has a desire to stay. And that that's really very real with Jonathan Owens. I haven't heard of him being anything imminent for a re-signing. I think he will test the market. And there's some other safeties out there like Nick Scott from the Rams. It could be of interest. I think uh, they are not going to be in the Jesse Bates type of category. They have a Jalen Petrie. They don't need to have a Jesse Bates. They need a good second safety. I've heard Eric Murray could be back. Uh, I've heard that Tremont, Smith will have an opportunity to come back if he wants to, but also have a market where other places where maybe he could play more defense. So that's a possibility. As you saw, they did John Weeks deal. Uh, no, he signed on Monday. They announced on Thursday, and it's almost fully guaranteed. So good yeah. for John. And that's important. You know, you want to get your long snapper you know, under contract, and they did. So they made him a priority. They did that you know, quickly, and I expect more things. I expect some roster cuts. I think Mario Addison, Christian Kirk's here, potential cuts. I, I could see more changes um, happening with this roster. I think that they are not done with subtractions. So look for, you know, some more moves like that. And just for guys they don't see being a part of it. They only did that one in-season extension that was for Blake Cashman. So he's, you know, he's back and, you know, at a salary that they can afford for him on a, a backup deal. Uh, Scott Quesenberry is of interest to potential return on kind of a prove it deal, probably like a one year deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he'll be offered. I think that Scott could come back and be an opportunity to compete for the backup job. I've heard of them having interest in other free agents. And I think that at some point, you know, maybe they're signing whichever of those centers that isn't getting the biggest money, maybe um, a few days in a free agency they're talking to. So we'll see. I, I think there's going to be, some high salaries for the Bozemans and the Posix and the even Brindell will do well. So yeah, Brindell and, was yeah. one that I saw, and I'm just having a tough read on that because they just had one good season. But I, but the he's Niners a little bit older. Yeah. yeah, I think he winds up staying. But if he makes it out there, he'd be someone that would be probably worth looking at. And you know they've got a lot of work to do. They've got a lot of free agents. So. Yeah. my list up here. It's uh, you know, it's it's pretty pretty heavy group of free agents and, and things that decisions they have to make. The truth of it is you should not run it back with three thirteen and one roster. No. You should make changes and make as many changes as you want. And I, I don't think there's a whole bunch of like, oh, we, if you don't have him back, it's the end of the world. If if any of those players I was talking about aren't don't come back, that's fine. You replace them with someone else. And I thought Obo deserved to come back based on the way he played. And I think he has shown some real ability to get to the quarterback. I think they need a D tackle very badly. Yeah. They've got to have another D tackle to go with Malik Collins. I like the Puna Ford idea because he can get up to the quarterback. He can stop the run. He can do a lot of things for you, but we'll see. There's other D tackles too. To me, the problem is he's going to cost like between nine, eleven million million a year. Right. Yeah, so it's expensive. Already- yeah, and you already got Malik Collins under, like you said, well, not the biggest contract. I could, being, I could see them being better off possibly drafting one. Like yeah. there's still going to be tackles available when they're drafting in the second round mm-hmm. or do it at 12. What if the there's a highly, highly rated D-tackle like the Clemson guy at 12? Should they do that instead of a receiver? You know, they've looked at Quentin Johnson. They've looked at Jordan Addison. They've talked to those guys. 
Raheem Garrett's coming in for a visit. He's not a first rounder. He's a later guy from Maryland, from my high school, by the way, St. John's High School in DC, <laughs> home of the cadets. Yeah, former uh, WCAC All Star here, linebacker and teammate of Under Armour's Kevin Plank. He's why the program is so good now because a lot of money into it. But I digress. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean it. It. They're, they've got a lot of places to feel like with it. Like you said, with like the center position that, you know, that's an area of, of need for them. And I feel like this offensive line is potentially a center away from being a top, you know, top 15 type of offensive line. You know, I feel like AJ King can be serviceable. Hopefully Kenyon green kind of makes his way back. And if you could get just a good anchor center with a, you know, a veteran type, you know, Connor McGovern, Brindle, somebody like that has got a little bit of time in this type, in the same type of system that Bobby Sluck will be bringing over could really just be that final piece for that offensive line and really just get things going in, in the right direction for that offense. Cause it's, you know, you build, you build from the center out the trenches. That's always kind of been my opinion of things. So I think that's one area. And like you said, it may, they may not be big in on like that first wave of free agency, with any big, huge signings, but maybe, like you said, day two, day three, second wave, third wave, when they start making a little bit of noise. Do you see Nick making any kind of big splash signings, just maybe like one player that's, you know, like a Tremaine Edmonds or or somebody like that, or just in, just any any position where it's like day one, huge contract for this player? Or do you think they kind no, of I mean, go more? I haven't heard of him being a high bidder, really. I haven't heard about that in terms of meetings. I didn't even hear about an inordinate amount of, you know, people looking at and saying the Texans, we expect them to be on the bidding side for some of those type of players. And as you have noticed by now, they're not a part of the Derek Carr thing. They have yet to become a part of the Jimmy G thing. So what are they doing? Is there going to be a, you know, say like a Teddy Bridgewater, you know, what are they going to be doing? Will they get involved with the Deontay Foreman? Or that's a maybe. And Foreman could be of some interest to them if he doesn't re-sign with the Panthers. So maybe you get a back before the draft to work in tandem with Damian Pierce. And that would be interesting. So we'll see. I mean, the big thing is, you know, you're talking about a time-splitting situation and Pierce is the featured back. So is that even attractive to Foreman to come here and not be the bell cow? I would think probably not. And also – when he was here the first time, I felt like he was a different guy. You know, he was still maturing. Uh, he's changed a lot. He's become a, a dad. He's got two kids. His father passed in a trucking accident. I think it's been very, like, you know, motivating for him, like, that he didn't want to ever let his dad down. And he's changed a lot. Uh, I think you get a different Derek Form- I mean, Deontay Foreman, but I-, I don't know if it's the right move to do, just because I think he's a starter, in my opinion not yeah. just a time splitting back. And I think ideally the second back that works in tandem with Pierce would be more of a pass catching kind of guy. So thinking about the draft, like the Tulane running back, guys like that. Mm-hmm. Let's see. We had a question from Rod. Is, he, is there any chance Nick decides to draft Titus replacement in this, in this draft, or is it a sure thing they give him a new contract some point down the line? I mean, I would get, before I let Aaron answer, my opinion on Titus Howard and the extension is I think that's something you look at maybe halfway through the season as an in-season type of extension move if he continues to play well and progress and show that he can be a long-term answer at the ta- long-term answer at the tackle position. Right. You know, I did ask D'Amico Ryan not about contracts, but just about the value of having those bookend tackles, and he was – enthusiastic about the presence, the continued presence of Laramie and Titus. So it doesn't like Titus is a short timer at all, but organizationally, do they need to see even more from him after last season, which I think was a step in the right direction back at his natural right tackle spot. It makes more sense financially to do it early. It really does. And he's going to play for 13 million. So he makes that big jump on the fifth year option, the club option they exercised last year, but, you know, I think about it, I think about the big picture, I would get him done. And I even had people tell me this. This was, you know, from some others around the league that liked the idea of trading Laramie 
and putting Titus to left tackle. I think he's much better at right tackle, though. So I, I didn't really agree with that opinion, but it was an opinion that was expressed to me, not by the organization, but by a, a different NFL official. It's interesting because you think about these things and you want to do it in cycles. Like John Grenard, you have a decision to make on him eventually. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Malik Collins. And you've got a lot of guys in the <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> final year of their deal. So you know, how is all that going to work? They need layers and layers and layers of players, Bill O'Brien used to say. <laughs> they are not even close. Uh, they, it, it, I would just say for everyone, they have to be patient. I think they'll make with a quarterback, if they, if, if they have a rookie quarterback that's a successful rookie quarterback, like a Brock Purdy type of performance and, and beyond, then they'll have a chance to be like a six, seven win kind of team if everything falls right. But they need a great offseason. To me, really, they're two offseasons away. 20. 24 is more the year I would look for them to come out of this. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think you just you start laying down the foundation and the path and, and try to determine who your core foundation is going to be based on your draft class and how they continue to perform. And yeah, 2024 is probably the year you really kind of come out swinging. So kind of venturing out of Houston, franchise tag deadline is Tuesday at 3 p.m. We know Houston's not going to use it on anybody. But, you know, it looks like the running back's probably going to get, you know, Jacobs out of Las Vegas, Tony Pollard up in Dallas. And interesting to watch the New York Giants situation with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, if they can get a Jones contract done in time to tag Barkley. I don't think they want to give Barkley the big contract. I think they'd rather put the tag on him. Maybe Orlando Brown in Kansas City might get a second tag, but – Feel like? Do you feel like we're going to start to see some news on franchise tags here in the next 48 hours? Yes, I think you'll see Lamar Jackson get the franchise tag. Mm-hmm. I think that you know, you're looking through some of the lists of other ones. You know, they'll see you'll see that happen with um, <clears throat> in Jacksonville with their tight end. So yeah, that'll Evan Ingram, yep. Yeah, Evan Ingram. Yes, and uh, Jesse Bates the third. He'll be free. I think they're just mm-hmm. going to. Don't let him go and move on. Tony Pollard, yes, I expect that to happen. And just kind of looking through some of the lists here, ones that predicted, expected. Texans, obviously done. I think Orlando Brown does get it. And Josh Jacobs, like you said. And then maybe less tags this year. I don't think that the Patriots should tag Jonathan Jones. I think they should. Let him leave. I think Saquon Barkley gets it if if Jones doesn't get it, if they get the deal done. And then I, I think James Bradbury will not be franchise tagged for Philly. I think he'll be free. Tayshawn Gibson will not be tagged by the Niners. I don't know why somebody put them him on the list. I think Geno Smith will not oh, be wow. tagged. <laughs> somebody was making a list, they just reached. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think Jamal Dean will be tagged. And Deron Payne, they've already tagged yeah, him. They execute, so, executed the tag yeah. there, yep. Yeah. I don't know if it made made the wire. I think it was more like communicated. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen like a franchise. Oh no, tag. it was actually it was actually on the wire. The Durant did it, paint it, tag. What day, what day did it make it? Thursday. Wednesday. Thursday. It, was, it, was, it was Wednesday. It's one of those days. It's one of those days in Indy where probably I wasn't great at checking my emails, uh, but I was. Uh, it, it, it's a lot. I, I can just tell you that uh, the combine in terms of content and. Um, you know, privilege to do it and lots of television time with the Randy McAvoy and the KPRC guys. And that was a lot of fun. We had to make some, some good, good hits uh, and some, you know, time with D'Amico Ryans and Nick Casario and some extra time after the press conferences. And then uh, the most important thing is the networking and hanging out and uh, talking to agents and talking to teams and seeing other people in the, in the business and the industry. So yeah, it was good. I mean, I, I got a lot out of it. Um, happy to, I get to go very exhausted still kind of just kind of recharging from uh, a lot of days where I would be up to like 3 a.m. and waking up to seven. I did that for, you know, about four days in a row. So yeah. There'd be still. no way that I could do that. Now Duran Payne was tagged on the 28th, Tuesday. 28th, gotcha. But uh, yeah, I did, man, I would die if I had to do 3 a.m. until for three you don't days. Have to. It's just like, that's where a lot of people are out and about and they're in meetings for a lot of the evening including the agents and the teams. So you're seeing people later in the day 
I mean, if you blow off the content part, I mean, I, there was one day where I didn't even really go to the convention center where they had the interviews for the defensive backs on Thursday. I just was there, like, again, Friday uh, for the quarterbacks early at 8 a.m. for that after staying out late again. But uh, I just kind of hung out uh, and, you know, had plenty of interviews and lots of work to do um, already. But, you know, I think it's more valuable to see people instead of just hunkering down. This is – off topic here, but just in terms of how you do the job, uh, if you're only, if all you're doing is hang out with your peer group, like the reporters, you're not really improving or being improving your ability to know anything. So like any of the information I have about who might or might not be back, that's gained by, by talking to people and people around the league. But if I, you know, if you just sit and, you know, you write your stories and then you go have dinner and that's kind of it. Uh, I don't think you'll improve, you know, much at all in terms of improvement, meaning improve your knowledge, improve your level of connections, get new, new phone numbers, things like that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there's some, uh, there's some good parties got to attend. Uh, there's the Athletes First, the agency they had a party. They, that was pretty cool. That was, uh, that was good. Vanguard had one. And, yeah, so usually some good food and open bar and, you know, a lot of agents. And Casey Athletes First one, there's a lot of coaches there. So, and, you know, so, so plenty of coaches and GMs, um, guys like John Lynch and even uh, caught up with Rick Smith, the former Texans general manager is now on the diversity committee. I hadn't talked to him in years, so it was uh, interesting to catch up with Rick and talk know? about Rick's doing okay. Time. Yeah, he's okay. He's, yeah, good. he's doing well. His son is in college and he still lives in Houston and he's uh, helping the league with uh, diversity efforts and i've heard his name come up a little bit there was a rumor about him and the raiders i didn't ask him about it but i, I kind of had some hunch that you know, maybe that might be a fit uh he was recently in the raiders building and it was on the heels of marcel reese resigning who knows maybe that might be a place for him to help mark davis be an advisor to him but right now he's just doing his thing with the league where he helps them with uh, diversity and inclusion efforts and trying to improve those around the league. So that that's Rick's role right now. And uh, if he he's, seemed like he was doing well. But, yeah, it was good to talk with him. I hadn't talked to him really since he had left the organization. Yeah, he, he needs to be in the league. He, despite despite what some folks may think, he was, you know, he was a very good general manager. And, yes, yes. And, and I, I think that's a pretty pretty consistent viewpoint on him. And so I yeah, think we- he – Definitely help the team out, regardless Absolutely. of what it is. Yeah. So I think he'd be we, we had a great conversation. Asset. Yeah, he's, he's a very smart guy. It, it was good talking with him, and yeah. he, you know, I know that Sean eventually for the fans. Obviously, the way the end result was a disappointment, but he was right about the football evaluation of Deshaun Watson. Yeah. So ultimately, I think that's a the, the hits in the first round. That's a big part of his legacy here. Yeah. All right, man. Well, that's about all the. The talking points I had for tonight. I okay, really, great. I really appreciate you taking some time, and uh, hopefully yeah. you get get some rest. And I'm sure we'll be in touch over the next uh, <laughs> next few days as we get close to free agency and things are going to get really ramped up here in the next week and a half. And be crazy, crazy, crazy. And make sure you're following Aaron on on Twitter at Aaron Aaron Wilson underscore NFL. He'll be uh, he's always very active on there. So tons of news coming out and. Uh, you know, before we close it down, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the show. I appreciate all the comments, the questions, all, you know, everybody joining in. You know, I had 60, 70 people live at various points during the show. So, Aaron, hope you have a good evening, sir. Hope you get some rest, and we'll chat very soon. Thanks, Troy. Appreciate you having me on. All right. Thanks, everybody. And with that, we'll shut it down. Have